Okay, it's time for some good news, bad news, and then more good news. The good news is that we do have a plan for how we will be discussing environmentalism in the future. The bad news is that you can't really tell from this episode that there is a plan in place. And that's definitely my fault. I am very passionate about environmentalism and wanted to use this first episode as a way of introducing you to too many things. We introduce you to the five R's, refuse, reduce, reuse, repurpose, recycle. We introduce you to zero waste or less waste living, extended producer responsibility, and a number of other big topics. And we do introduce you to those topics, but in retrospect, the conversation could have been more organized. So that was the good news and the bad news. The next bit of good news is that Rachel Austin, our guest from episode two, is back as a guest host. And we really have a great time exploring environmentalism with our guest, the person who really took the time to introduce me to environmentalism and challenge my way of thinking about how I interact with the planet, my friend, Alice Tang. Alice, Rachel and I have a lot of fun discussing where we are in our practice as environmentalists, and I'm really looking forward to some additional in-depth and well-structured conversations in the future. (laughs) Hey, uh, welcome to Bottomless Coffee. Uh, Today I am with Rachel Austin, and we have a special guest that I'll introduce to you later. Um, But you'll remember Rachel from episode two. Uh, She is at The Real Rachel Austin on Instagram and also the founder of the Love Labor Project. Hey, Rachel, how are you? Hi, Jerome. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me back. And I'm super excited to talk to our guests. So this is a real treat. Well, I'm excited to talk to you and, of course, with our guests. Um, Now, this is like a peek behind the curtain, right? So we recorded your episode a couple of months ago. Uh, What's changed with you and the Love Labor Project between, like, now and then? You know, uh, a lot, actually. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I have uh, some really exciting news to share, which is that uh, a friend of mine from the caregiving community who is a leader um, and an influencer, if you will, of her own right, her name is Aisha Adkins, she is going to be joining Love Labor Project as the co-executive director and wow. and she is also bringing with her her organization that is called Our Turn to Care that is a BIPOC centered BIPOC specific um, caregiving support group and support organization and that is yeah. going to be a division of what Love Labor Project does moving forward. So we will soon be offering BIPOC specific programming for our um, incredible BIPOC caregiver friends out in the world. Um, so yeah. That is amazing. And uh, I'm like a little bothered that I'm just hearing about it, but that's my own fault because one, I'm not asking regularly enough. But then two, it's like, what would you do, even do with that information, Jerome? And let me tell you. Um, because, you know, it's a community podcast and I want people to know that they are like 
part of this community we're building. I want to add to the website like an in the news or like what's good section so we can get those kinds of announcements like I guess your merger slash acquisition. It's mover and shaker. Get you some shoulder pads. Well, you know, to be fair, we're we're finalizing this up right now, um, okay. and so we're we're really excited about this. And um, Aisha is just incredible. Um, she's an incredible caregiver, an incredible friend, and um, just an incredible uh, advocate for for caregivers. And um, yeah. I'm just really honored to be working with her. And so. That's that is I, it's it's making my 2021 a lot brighter. So I'm super excited. I am super excited to have a bottomless coffee conversation with Aisha. Yes, she would love okay. that. She would <laughs> love it. Yes, absolutely. Mm, She's brilliant. Yes, score another podcast episode. I'm excited. Um, but we're not going to talk about caregiving today. We are going to talk about something a little bit different. In my mind, it's somewhat related to caregiving because it's uh, caring for the planet. We're going to talk about environmentalism. Yeah. Um, <laughs> woo! Okay, you, you seem really excited, but I want to. This is like a pop quiz. Uh oh. Right? Okay. So, like, what did you learn about environmentalism in school? And then maybe, like, what have you learned about environmentalism? since you were in school? Uh, so in school, I, uh, I feel like I need to out myself and just say that uh, I was in the fourth grade in 1997. So a lot of what I was learning in the 90s was reuse, reduce, recycle. Yeah. I remember when recycling bins became, you know, a thing in mm. in the city of dallas and we all got recycle bins now in the, in texas we say recycle or maybe just in my family we don't say recycling bin we say the recycle bin but oh, the, okay, okay, the okay, recycle sure. so I, I i always love that um and you know as i've gotten older uh you know i feel like we've gotten um a better understanding of what's going on with our planet Maybe a little yeah. bit. So my relationship with environmentalism is really a uh, fear of climate change and like mm -hmm. feeling like it's uh, a kind of unstoppable force that's coming for us that, you know, nobody's really paying attention to. So yeah. I guess for me, I'm just like the older I get and the more um, space I have for like organics recycling and composting and gardening and growing my own food and all of these kind of things, I just feel... Um, I feel so happy to be learning it now, but also like, why didn't I know it before? You know, I feel yes. woefully unprepared <laughs> to save the planet. I am so there with you. And just before um, we got on, you know, I'm typing in the notes or what have you. And uh, our guests will remember this. And I'm gonna, we're gonna bring her on in just a second. Before I ran for office, my big thing was um, this like nonprofit I started called Good Human because uh, I was made aware of like how little everyone knew about what we actually needed to do in order to save the planet. And I was like, is no one gonna like tell people that <laughs> everything is going to shit or what? <laughs> Where is my megaphone? Ah! Yeah. And um, you know, let's, let's stop hiding her behind the curtain 
Um, our our guest, guest today, today is Alice Tang, who is a wonderful, wonderful she was actually, she was actually a, supporter a supporter of the nonprofit Good Human Way Back, back in the Day, a supporter of um, what I was running for office, and has been a huge uh, inspiration, really, on my environmentalism journey. Uh, hey, Alice, how are you? Hello, I am doing so well. How are y'all doing? Uh, I think we're both giddy. I feel, yeah, <laughs> we're like thrilled to have you here. <laughs> yeah. Now, you heard me ask Rachel the question, and I just want to see if your experience um, with re with uh, reduce, reuse, recycle, or environmentalism in general, what you learned about it in school is the same. What did you learn, and what did you learn, and when did you learn it, Alice? Oh, man, I feel like my school education was just super minimal. Like, I think I think I knew there was this thing of recycling, but I didn't really get it. I grew up in Alabama, for the record. Um, and like, did did we even have recycling bins? Like, yeah, maybe when I got older into high school, but like, rarely we used it. And, and then there's like all these rules, like, what do you recycle? What do you not recycle? Um, but yeah, I would say that like my education was very little and then, you know, Jerome, I heard your question was more about like, what did you learn as an adult? Mm -hmm. And I feel like I have to say that my, like one, I'm still always learning, like by no means am I perfect at this, but two, I, I used to live in Atlanta. I moved to Seattle about four years ago. And even just in that transition of moving from Atlanta to Seattle, where Seattle is much more environmentally conscious, like I've learned so much here and I just continue to to learn about that, whether it's recycling, reducing, composting, like all of all of that good stuff. Okay, so this is really interesting because I was also in Atlanta thinking that I was being a, an environmentalist, but like totally doing all the wrong things. Can you recall like what it what it is in, was it Seattle specific or like Washington in general? Is there like a mass communication campaign that came to you? Did someone judge you once when you got a plastic bag? Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I do think that just like the, um, that the habit and just like the way society is and like kind of like the defaults here in Seattle versus Atlanta, like just that, that default lifestyle is so different, right? Like yeah. whenever people go out, they always have a reusable bag on with them. Like very few people use plastic bags at the grocery store. Whereas in Atlanta, if you go to the grocery store with a reusable bag, people will just be like, oh, that's that's weird. Um, or even going to like the coffee shop and it's like, oh, do you want a compostable cup or did you bring your own mug? Um, oh. Like in Atlanta, that question would never be posed. In Atlanta, it's always like, well, here's your one time use coffee cup, you know? So I feel like the, the default thinking is really what helped me just be more mindful of it. Um, I do agree with the default thinking, and I want to dig into that a little bit more, but I'm a little perturbed that my coffee chains here don't ask me if I want a compostable cup, right? Um, and I don't get the question, did you bring your own mug? As if that's like an expectation. So it sounds like the expectation for environmentalism and that those behaviors are a little bit higher um, 
in Seattle. And I feel as though our Minneapolis listeners are going to, we're going to try to close that gap. (laughs) I don't know that it's that, I don't know if it's that wide of a gap, Jerome. What do you think? I think it's a doable, a doable project. Because we certainly use compostable mugs in a lot of places. Like that's their default already is to give you a compostable cup. That's That's true. true. But I don't think they do the best job of informing you about what to do with that compostable cup. So I believe some of that is through like city ordinances in Minneapolis. Um, Like we just recently banned styrofoam containers. Um, We just recently added like a five cent tax or fee on plastic bags. Um, But we are limited in some way from a policy perspective by the state legislature. Um, which is really weird. It's really weird to me that like the state of Minnesota is like preempting the city from taking like steps to preserve the planet, right? Um, and so I'm maybe the gap isn't so wide, but maybe it's easier uh, to have those shifts in perception when the state is on your side. It's making me think right now how like, How does Target handle that? And I guess if the Target that I go to is outside of the city of Minneapolis limits, technically, is that why I'm getting plastic bags in the checkout and not being charged? Yeah. 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 Man. Um, Well, it's not. So speaking of, I'll I'll say grocery chains in general, um, one conversation with Alice really sticks out. I was so proud of these reusable uh like vegetable holder bags right they're like organic cotton and they're so instagrammable so pinterestable and we're sitting i think in like a coffee shop or something in the before times before the pandemic when this could happen and alice was like well why do you even need a bag because i thought by switching from the disposable single-use plastic bags that you pull at the produce counter to a reusable that I was taking a really good step, which it is. But my perception wasn't like, you don't need a bag, Dro. <laughs> You're just switching. And uh, so I think, Alice, you make a really great point about the perception shift. And am I hearing you right that there was no like defining moment, um, like no jarring realization or eureka moment that was like, oh my God, I've been doing it wrong this entire time. It just came kind of gradually to you. It was very gradually. I think the other thing is just the the support system in Seattle. So, you know, in Seattle, like Seattle supports commercial composting. So like every mm. apartment complex has like a massive compost bin and then you just throw your compost in it um, and then you call it a day. Um, And in Atlanta, at least, you know, when I moved away, like almost five years ago, I had never heard of that. Like if people were composting, they were composting in their backyard because they had created a system to compost, but not because they had something that was convenient for them. So one thing I want to just kind of ask you, Alice, Alice, do you have a job in sustainability? I don't, but I am super passionate about it. And, you know, I love supporting it any way that I can. Well, that's great. I mean, but you're, you're, you're not like, I feel as though when we have people come onto the conversation, sometimes it's, it's like racial and 
her nonprofit merging with another nonprofit, right? Or <laughs> someone else who ran for office. You're just a human who is concerned about the environment. And so it's not like you've received like a like a special inaccessible education or anything. Like you are living the life that is completely accessible to everyone else. We're just making different choices that are exacerbating a problem that we all agree that we have. Totally. And and I do think that, you know, getting into like, like trying to, to use less can be very overwhelming. Um, mm. And then so I think like a very easy beginner step for me is just making like a handful of like quick and fast rules, right? Like I always have a reusable bag in my purse like I have a lot in my car. So if I'm ever doing like a last minute grocery run, I'm never without a bag. Um, another like quick and fast rule that I have is just like always having, um, you know, a coffee mug with me. Mm. And like, and honestly, if I want coffee, but I just like, I don't have the mug with me, I just don't drink coffee. Like <laughs> right. that's, that's like my punishment. Like, <laughs> oh, bummer. But <laughs> it's, it, this, it seems very Seattle though. I always have to have my coffee cup with me. That's very Seattle. Well, we need to make it very Minneapolis and very, very everywhere else too. Um, Cause it's one of those things like the mug has already been produced right and so we've already paid the carbon cost for the mug or hopefully we have but when we take that extra mug that extra cup um i don't know it drives me nuts i try not to do it even when it's a composting situation okay this is good um we're gonna take a coffee break right now for the bottomless coffee yeah bottom oh i didn't tell you yeah 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 yeah. i had um an epiphany. I was like, oh, I should just call these breaks coffee breaks. So this bottle is coffee. I felt very clever at the time. <laughs> and you are. Aww, Aww. You're so <laughs> We're going to take a quick coffee break and then we'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Um, this was possibly the fastest coffee break in Bottomless Coffee history because we started talking about the next question and then Rachel started taking notes because she wanted to learn. And I was like, well, we should just... <laughs> we should just be nerds together on the podcast. So, <laughs> so um, and, uh, you know, spoiler alert, Alice already knows this. Uh, so, Alice... There is, we, like, we learned in the before time, reduce, reuse, recycle. Now I believe the kids are learning uh, with two more R's. It's refuse, reduce, reuse, repurpose, recycle. Did you, did get, you that, get that, Rachel? I, yes, I did. Thank you very okay. much. Professor okay. Jerome. <laughs> Professor Jerome. I appreciate it. Oh, There's it so might many be R's. Professor Tang in a second. Um, because, you know, right before the break, we were talking about um, if Alice forgot her coffee mug, then she would just not get a coffee, right? She would just refuse to get the coffee. If someone's trying to... People... Okay, so I don't know when you're watching this or how long the pandemic has been going on, but people used to just hand you stuff on the street. You know, it was it was really wild. Um, wait a and... second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. <laughs> Uh, let's go back. What? <laughs> Who was handing you things to drink on the street? Oh, not to drink necessarily, but flyers. 
you know, or little little gifts if you're at a trade oh, show. Sure. Um, little uh, pins sometimes, sometimes, you know. You know? Yes. <laughs> I, did. I had no idea what you are talking about. I'm like, who is handing you things on the street? What's, what's Rachel's happening? Rachel's like, where are the free drinks? <laughs> <laughs> is that wrong? I mean. she will. Rachel will bring her mug for the drinks. <laughs> Whatever. The sixth R is recession. So, you know, I got to take the free stuff where yes. I can get it. Fair. Very fair. Um, but so refusing as the first R and um, refusing to like take something that's being offered, refusing to buy, refusing to consume energy um, is the best thing that you can do as a consumer, the best thing you can do for the planet. And Alice is nodding. She agrees with me. Do you have more context for that by any chance? I actually very recently learned the addition of the R's. Um, I'm trying to remember like the first time I heard about like refusing. And I think it may have been a little less than two years ago. Um, I, I heard it and it was just like a light bulb, like, oh, of course yeah. this makes like a ton of sense. Like I should just start refusing things I don't need. Um, you know, I, I firmly believe in just like being a minimalist. I hate clutter, mm -hmm. like I just, I don't want like all that shit around. Um, and I, I have always worked at a tech company um, and tech companies are notorious for just giving away tons of swag. And it's like, how many hoodies do I need with my employer stamped on it? Like seriously, like, like one year it's like a coin, another year it's like a jacket, yes. the next year it's another jacket, like another hoodie. And it's like, and like other bags but um but yeah i actually just got to the point where i just start refusing all of the swag um because i, I just don't need it like i have i have plenty of hoodies i think i first learned about these other r's including the refuse um when i started learning about zero waste um do you happen to know much about the zero waste like movement slash lifestyle no, but inform us, Jerome. Oh my gosh. Okay, so this was trending a little while back. And, um, and you can follow the hashtag on Instagram, like hashtag zero waste or whatever. And uh, the initial story I saw was this family that was able to fit an entire year's worth of waste into like a mason jar. Um, and I was like, how did you do that though? That doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> because I'm taking out the trash all the time. Um, and that's when... Yeah, it's, it's a very strange light bulb moment, like a perception shift, if you will. Like you don't need all of the stuff. Just because someone's offering it to you doesn't mean you have to buy it. Just because it's on sale doesn't mean that you have to like swipe your card and order it from Amazon or something. Um, but apparently uh, for 30 some odd years, I was just taking the stuff, swiping the card and not even paying attention to the, really the inefficiencies in the designs of the product that would lead to all of this waste. So like when you think about a really, really well-designed good, um, that extra packaging does no one any good, right? Like ideally it should have the least amount of packaging possible because it should bring your costs down as a producer, right? Um, but 
producers, I believe, don't really worry about that because we subsidize their waste by paying for landfills. So they just look for the cheapest way to produce something. They send, uh, send it to us in an inefficient way with all of this packaging. We throw it away and then we pick up the bill. So we are like literally paying to have trash like in a pile down the street uh, for you know however many hundreds of years it takes for that producer's like inefficient packaging to decompose. It's uh, like the system doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. So just yeah, go ahead, Rachel. I I was always really proud of myself. <clears throat> I don't want to brag, but I live alone. I'm single, and I, <laughs> and I always thought it was. Um, it was impressive that I only like took out the the kitchen, like the central trash of my home, that I only took it out like once every two to three weeks. Yeah. Um, because I, I do have to say, uh, I do also have organics recycling here in the city of Minneapolis. So it's not like stinky food was sitting in the in the um, in the garbage. But um, anyway, I when the pandy started and <laughs> I couldn't leave my home. I was like, damn, dude, I'm, I'm taking out my trash once a week. And I was like, well, what, what changed about my behavior that I'm having to take this out? And then I was like, Rachel, you are just so, you're so pretty. Because then, because it hit me. I was like, oh, I was making that trash out in the world and leaving it in trash uh... cans in the rest of the world and not in the trash, trash cans in my home, right? So, and that like sounds really like... It's so simple, but I never really thought about it. And I think that that was a realization that definitely made me feel, um, it definitely made me examine how much waste I was producing. Yeah. For, for sure. Because I, I was really patting myself on the back for so long. And I was like, oh, duh. Well, one exercise that you can do that's just so much fun if you're like me and always trying to project manage things. Um, if you want to reduce your waste, go to your trash, look and see what's in there, because everything that's in there can probably be switched out for a reusable item, which is another one of the R's, right? So uh, let me smack talk my husband for a little bit. I was going to say, are you going to go get your trash and dump it out <laughs> on camera? Because, you know. <laughs> no, because I already know it's in the bathroom trash. It's a bunch of, like, tissues. Because Aaron will go, he'll blow his nose, and he throws it in the trash can. And I'm like, every time. I'm like, why don't you just get, like, a handkerchief or something that you can just wash? And then we're not cutting down the boreal forest so that you can blow your nose. <laughs> um, but I will say he's... Uh, very environmentally focused in other places. And so kind of bringing it back to the zero waste conversation, if you jump straight in to like micromanaging your life and trying to like get your life reduced into like a little itsy bitsy jar, you will get burnt out so fast. <laughs> um, Alice is nodding her head. I don't know. Do you have a personal experience or something from there to share? Oh my gosh. I, I like just being on this high of trying to, you know, um, limit my use and all of these things. I, I found a shampoo bar and it was like zero packaging on the shampoo bar. 
And I'm like, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to wash my hair because like who needs plastic containers to hold shampoo? Um, And I was talking about this with one of my friends and he pointed out like, you know, it's great that the shampoo bar doesn't have packaging, but you have to think about the inputs that go into making the shampoo bar and then like the distribution of it and like what that footprint looks like. And having like having those thoughts are it's just like it's so overwhelming you know like I I still don't know the best trade-off on like is it better to throw something away locally in Seattle or ship it across the country to recycle it you know and I think that it's it's okay to you know be kind to yourself and and just do the best that you can in the areas that you are like jumping in and like having a goal of fitting your trash into a mason jar for the year is great but if you can't do it then don't beat yourself up (laughs) i completely agree um do not beat yourself up beat up the corporations that are producing all of this excess stuff and destroying the earth because honestly um and i thought about obviously i thought about this a lot because i ran on a platform of environmentalism if we all stopped doing like consuming this this bad product and what have you and these companies continued to produce those same items we would still be in the same mess that we're in now but if they stop producing the stuff then we will stop buying it because it will not be available um and so you know anytime you try to go zero waste or whatever try to be environmentally focused and you get frustrated direct that frustration right towards the companies that are filling up our landfills uh, and clogging up our air (laughs) because that's really where it's deserved. I I have a question too. Like the thing that drives me bananas is the fact that like the cardboard that they package things in for freezer, frozen goods, you can't recycle that. It's coated. And you can't recycle plastics or anything that has food waste or oils on it. And, you know, I I just know for a fact that there's some food that I bring home. And even if I were to run it through the dishwasher, I still don't think that they could handle the, um, the recycling of it. And then when you hear in the news that we're shipping our, we're overwhelmed with the recycle. So we're going to ship it to China and China is refusing to take it because they also have too much waste like the stories that i'm hearing the narratives that i'm hearing are so unfortunate and and alarming to me and so i feel there's just all of these ways in which i feel exactly like what you're saying jerome the producers are failing us agreed Um, (laughs) i just i can't get i can't i can't mince my words any more than that they're failing us because i i don't know that i really have a choice with some of this yeah like meat if you, I mean, we won't we won't get into the meat climate change conversation now, but I do agree. Um, certain regulations likely require meat to be handled in a particular way, and um, to Alice's point, the actual cost of recycling some of those goods is just astronomical. Um, I think Alice, you were ta- you were referencing shipping stuff to the other side of the country. Was that a reference to TerraCycle? Yes. Are you able to speak a little bit to TerraCycle? Um, well, we actually had this conversation, and you were the one that, that brought it up to me. And 
I can't remember exactly what specific good I was looking to recycle, but I came across TerraCycle and I thought it was just the coolest thing. You know, they give you, um, they give you like this bucket or kind of this container, you fill it with the recyclings and then, you know, they pick it up and they recycle it, which sounds all like good and dandy. But for this one particular item, I believe like it needed to be processed in New Jersey, which yeah. it's like, is, is that a better way to be environmentally friendly? Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know, like, to, to be honest. I think it also costs like three hundred dollars or something. Yeah, there was also a large financial cost to it as well. Like it, it, it was expensive um, cash out of my pocket to do so. What a shame! I mean, come on! Like, I yeah, this kind of stuff just drives me nuts. And I like I can't even figure out how to recycle printer cartridges anymore. Like. I, you know, it's they've they they're making it really difficult. I don't mean to be saying they. Who is they? But I will say I saw a commercial for Co Coca Cola, Pepsi, and maybe maybe there's a couple of other large corporations involved where they've started manufacturing caps that are able to like soda bottle caps that are able to be recycled and you can collect from like all of these brands came together about it and then you collect right. them and. But then again, what do you do once you've collected them all? Like, I still, I, do you ship them? Because again, Alice, just like what you were just saying, what? So, yeah. but it was, I thought it was nice that they did that. It feels like a step. Is it, en is it enough? No, but. Uh, I, I would say. Uh, um, manufacturers that like, like bottle stuff, stuff like, like bottled bottle water, water bottled bottle bottle sodas, soda, they are very responsible for a lot of the harms that uh, our children and grandchildren will experience. And whatever this bottle cap thing is, is definitely insufficient <laughs> to <laughs> kind of atone for the sins. Do you remember uh, when they changed in. the plastic for the water bottles and we all used them for the first time and we're like, <laughs> and we're like, what is this? <laughs> I don't understand what they've done with this bottle, but it doesn't work. Yes. <laughs> I just, I'm not saying, I, I also agree that plastic bottles are oh, no, yeah. no bueno, but I will never forget picking that new yeah. plastic bottle up for the first time and be, and like crushing it in my hands. Well, I would say, and we'll go to, we'll take another coffee break right after this. You bring up a really good point about consumer behavior, right? Um, I remember like chips for a hot minute were going to be all in this compostable packaging, but the packaging was apparently so loud <laughs> that people like refused to buy it. And I do recall waking my neighbors when I was trying to just get a handful of chips one night. <laughs> and so, you know, we we are used, um, I guess consumers, we're used to having like sturdy products that, um, you know, they with a good shelf life that don't wake up our loved ones when we're trying to use them. We're used to the convenience. And there are environmentalism and products that are designed to be environmentally friendly. Um, sometimes convenience is the trade-off in the short term. Um, but in the long term, I'm pretty sure like 
it's a lot more convenient to just get your vegetable and put it in your cart, check out, and then compost like the peel or the rind than to like uh, get, get get the little plastic disposable bag, put your peeled egg um, vegetable in it, like then put that on the conveyor belt, then put that in another plastic bag, right? And then take that plastic bag and put it in the ground for uh, a couple hundred years. And you bring up such an excellent point there, Jerome. Like I haven't used one of those plastic bags for produce in eight, nine years. Like I gave up on those a long time ago. I hate them anyway. I'm like, why? Um, (laughs) So I've just been dumping stuff in my cart and then dumping it in a bag and bringing it home. But since the, since the pandemic and doing my order pickups now, right. Mm -hmm. With Mm -hmm. this shift for, for safety's sake, they wrap everything in plastic. It's over plastic now. So it's like, I'm, it's just a total trade-off and I don't like it. Like I, yeah. I want to be safe and still be able to be environmentally conscious in my shopping. And I really wish that there was a, a little checkbox. I mean, at the very least that you could press that said, I don't I want any of that extra plastic stuff. And I want oh. this in paper sacks and okay. Target isn't letting me do that. So I love that this has become kind of a conversation of the things we don't like that producers do. And we should do that in a second uh, after this coffee break because I want to talk about styrofoam. (laughs) Be right back. Okay, we're back. Um, You know, we, during that coffee break, we barely talked about styrofoam at all, but I will make up for it right now. Um, It drives me nuts uh, when things ship with styrofoam and I would love just the option to click no styrofoam or like a bright warning that popped up on my screen that was like you are about to get styrofoam um because if you know if you don't know it's one of those materials that lasts forever like you your kids your grandkids and those other grandkids are all going to be living with uh the piece of styrofoam oh that i got with that shelf up there um, that I didn't know about. And it's not like you couldn't replace styrofoam with cotton balls or paper, like bundled paper, anything to keep it safe. It drives me nuts. We won't, I won't belabor it because I, I like the general world is aware that styrofoam is terrible, right? Um, but we'll just call that a reminder for everyone in the bottomless coffee okay. community. And, and for, Boop. And we'll transition to a conversation about our carbon footprint. Um, Now, Alice talked, she kind of hinted at this a little bit when she was referring to that bar of soap, or shampoo, rather, that uh, bar of shampoo, and really looking at the full cost that goes into making that shampoo. But we're not going to think about a particular product. you know, your carbon footprint, your personal carbon footprint, I would say like the expectation is like, you know, look at how much you're driving and reduce that when you can. It, look at how you travel um, and pick the type of travel that has the least impact on the environment. Um, consider where you're getting your energy from, which is uh, something that Rachel, I know, is interested in. Um, and 
uh, helpful hint. There are these calculators online. Um, it's just a carbon footprint calculator. You can put it in Google and it'll pop right up and you just fill in that information. Um, now, but Rachel, what is it about energy production uh, that really got you interested during our break? That's such a great question, Jerome. Uh, so I, I'm a homeowner and when you're a homeowner, you all of a sudden realize that you have a lot more choices than you do as a renter um, in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, choosing your, maybe your waste management company, your heat, your gas, your electric, et cetera, right? Um, different states have different regulatory situations for those um, kind of things. But in Minnesota, which purports to be green, you know, we, <laughs> we think we're very progressive. Um, and I think in some ways, like if you're comparing us to the deep south, we are, but um, uh, yeah. yeah, and I, so I got this, this document in the mail from Excel Energy, which is our energy provider up here. And it mm -hmm. gave me the option to pick a greener energy source. And it was very clear that it would cost a little bit more per unit, yeah. um, but that over time, you know, if I had energy efficient appliances in my home, of course that helps. So um, I actually went on ahead and chose to do that. And I talked to my parents about it and they were like, that's really noble, that's great, but like, why? What, what do you really think you're getting with that? And I, oh, wow. my honest to God reaction was like, I don't care. Like it's my only option and it's being told to me that it's a greener option. You know, I'm reading mm -hmm. the documentation here that it's a greener option. Like it's the only thing I can do. And I just continued to sort of say, like, I'm willing to pay more. Uh, I'm willing to do no that. Problem. Alice, do you, you got this one? Or, because I've got a rant. Uh, <laughs> go, go for it, Jerome. <laughs> My parents are very environmentally friendly, so I feel like I do want to defend them. But it was, a, it was a conversation about, like, the cost-benefit analysis, um, if it yeah. really is green, et cetera. Let me tell you. Power production is all about spinning turbines, okay? And the way that we generally spin those turbines is by heating water and creating steam. Now, you can use uh, like, I don't know, uh, uranium in a nuclear facility, right? And that lasts a long time, but it produces a lot of waste. You can use fossil fuel, which is primarily what people use like coal, or natural gas or what have you. Um, and that creates uh, a byproduct that is toxic for the environment. Or you can use uh, like a, re a renewable energy like wind or solar. And so it matters that you chose the renewable option for a number of different reasons. One, you are not heating the earth and destroying like all of our biodiversity in the process, right? Uh, Two, if you do have kids or grandkids or what have you, like there are things that they will not be able to do because of the environmental costs. Uh, three, there are kids in poorer countries who will literally die because it is too hot outside because the earth is getting like crazy hot. Uh, four, you know, centuries from now, we are going to run out of fossil fuels. <laughs> 
You are making it so that we have more options as humans in the long run. You have lot there. You have many good reasons to pick the renewable option, Rachel. Rachel so basically, you're saying like I did the right thing. Absolutely, you did. I stand by my choice. I stand by it. I said, you know, oh, yeah. and I picked the five-year option too. I just want everybody to know. I I, I signed the five-year contract with that green stuff. We did the same thing here. Uh, so, oh yeah, so this is good. These these big old lights are powered by renewable energy, which is nice. Um, Alice, did you get the option in uh, Seattle or is it just like straight up already renewable? I, I rent, so I actually have no idea where my energy comes from. Um, yeah. But we are like, I think just in general, um, I'm very mindful about just the energy consumption. So um, we haven't, like, we moved into this apartment in the middle of December, like, haven't turned on the heat. It's mm. snowing in Seattle. I'm still not going to turn on heat. I'll just throw on one of my employer hoodies since I've got seven <laughs> of them. So. <laughs> um, you are spot on there with not having to turn on the heat. You save an incredible amount of energy by having, like, well-insulated windows and walls and what have you. Uh, I don't know how your place is, Rachel, but we traded the windows out here and like we had terrible windows. Like they were getting like covered in condensation. You know what I mean? Like we had like wet windows basically. <laughs> so we traded them out and now we don't have to turn on the heat anymore, um, which is, yeah, negative six degrees and the heat is not on and it's like 66 degrees in here. Now this is a condo, so it could be the people downstairs with their heat on that we're benefiting from. Um, but that's just even a little bit more energy, even though it's renewable, that we're saving. Jerome, my home was built in 1918. Yeah. I still have all original windows. Um, okay. They drive me nuts. Uh, you know, I wish that I could replace them, but I think that would cost like 30 grand. Um, yeah. So it's it's kind of a funny trade off, right? I'm like, well, I'm reusing a house <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's over a hundred years old, and uh, you know, you were at the hundred the hundred year old birthday party that I had for my oh, house. In a this old house onesie. I yes. didn't know I didn't know what the show This Old House was. I thought it was like I know uh, Little I, House in the Prairie. So I, I had everybody dressed up as like Bob Villa. <laughs> from like this old house wearing like plaid shirts and like, you know, tool belts and Jerome and Aaron showed up in onesies and it was like, this is awesome. He walks in and he's like, I think I misunderstood. <laughs> I was like, I don't think you did. I think you're perfect just as you are. But you know, my, my windows are a real pain point. And so, it, but it's also this thing of like, well, I'm not replacing things in my home with new things necessarily, like unless it's needed. Like I'm trying to, to yeah. reuse my home as best as I can. And also, I'm sure I'm wasting a lot of resources trying to heat a house with 100-year-old windows and walls mm -hmm. in negative 20 degrees. Uh, you know what? We really just have to do the best we can. Um, I don't need you to bankrupt yourself trying to replace your windows. <laughs> I did get a furnace that was energy efficient, so we can we yeah. know that like at least I've got that on my side. And I feel as though, like for you, when it makes sense for you to do so, you will make the right decision like you did with your renewable energy decision. So even though your parents will be very confused 
about why you got the new windows. You know, you'll know, and I'll know, and I will be here to rant in your in your defense. No, they definitely want me to replace the windows. They understand why. They just their favorite sport is being like, and uh, how are you going to pay for that, Rach? <laughs> you know what are you doing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what? I mean, it's true. Like. That's fair. In a pandemic, I'm not going to replace $30,000 worth of windows. Please do not. Um, but, you know, if there are grants uh, available to you, if, if you can find someone that'll do it for free, I'll, I'll send that information to you if it comes across my desk. Awesome. Oh, Alice, as we're wrapping up, um, so, gosh, usually we ask, how can people support you, like, individually and your work? But let's let's say how could your what would what's one green tip that you uh, will give to everyone or something that you wish everyone would do or stop doing to make the world a greener place? Yeah, I would I would say just you know wherever you are on your green journey, um, it's fine to 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 start where whenever. Um, I think some people get scared to take that first step into it because they're like, oh, this is so overwhelming. Like, I don't know what I need to do. Um, and, you know, for, for people like that, I would say just just start small, you know, yeah. whether if it's creating like hard and fast rules, like I'll never buy a plastic water bottle because I'll always have a reusable water bottle with me. Um, yeah, I would just say like, just start somewhere, start small and eventually like the habit will build onto itself good advice and a good tip thank you so much alice alice what's your instagram in case people want to follow you my instagram is alice tang and the number two is that the best social media for you it is yes okay if you want environmentalism tips from a normal human that just lives green <laughs> reach out to Alice or if you would like a rant on styrofoam on energy on anything else you can reach out to me um, and of course Rachel uh, don't ask me about anything <laughs> green I don't know y'all should just text Jerome and Alice the love labor project is not here for your environmentalism conversation <laughs> But for caregiving, <laughs> that is a really great group. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For the rest of it, I will also be calling Alice and Jerome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. See you next time. <laughs> Bye. Thank you, everyone, for sticking around and listening to me rant about environmentalism with two friends for so long. If you haven't already, I ask that you do go to patreon.com slash bottomlesscoffee and sign up as a community member to support the podcast. Thank you very much, and I'll see you next time.